Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, and I'm a, a student of permaculture and a person who's excited about the uh, grand opening of the Four Sisters Farmers Market on June 1st. So the Farmers Market's going to open on June 1st, and to talk with us about this um, Four Sisters Market is Destiny Jones. She's the Indigenous Food Sovereignty Coordinator and Market Manager. Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for joining us. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Well, my name is Destiny. I was born and raised in the Twin Cities for the most part. I uh, am an enrolled member of the Ho-Chunk Nation of Wisconsin. And I've been working in the food systems and various jobs for the last few years. And then I've settled at NACTI as the market manager for this season. And NACTI is the Native American Community Development Institute. Yep. uh, NACTI is... Um, located on the American Indian Cultural Corridor. Uh, It's, again, for the Native American Community Development Institute. And Four Sisters Food Sovereignty is a project of NACTI. So NACTI is sort of our mother organization. It also contains AMRA, All My Relations Art Gallery, as well as Make Voting a Tradition, which is our civic engagement initiative. Cool. So what does food sovereignty mean? Um, Food sovereignty, indigenous food sovereignty specifically, means... um, to promote the kind of relationship with uh, between indigenous people in the natural world uh, to kind of, it kind of encapsulates a lot. It can look a lot of ways, but essentially the goal is to sort of reestablish this relationship with the natural world, um, especially for urban Native Americans. Um, and that can look like the rematriation of native plants. Uh, that can look like increasing urban biodiversity and rural biodiversity, um, heritage heirloom uh, plants as well. It can be just uh, promoting food access in neighborhoods as well as healthy food options. Um, so that's kind of the goal of what food sovereignty looks like for us. And um, a lot of it is also just uh, creating the place for people to explore these things, as well as get involved. It's um, more than just, you know, knowing the right things. It's like, okay, so can you take it a step further? How can you grow it yourself? Or how can you help uh, a community member who's interested in growing it? And um, yeah, it's one of those things where I feel like every time I talk about it, it feels all across the board. But mostly it's just establishing kind of like a wholeness, a connectedness with the earth, our food, our bodies, and um, kind of like realigning those things that were naturally always aligned. I love the way you just said that. And I love that you said, uh, when I asked you, what did it mean? You didn't say, it means this. You said, it can mean, it can mean, it can mean, it can mean. Because it, 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 it is, um, and I, I, I was joking with someone else, I don't know if this is going to make any sense, but things are very complex. But life is complex. Think about a single cell in our body. And yet when we come from a whole place, it's a very complex body. But I love some of these things it can mean. And it can mean that people who are listening to the show can go to the farmer's market and buy products. Yeah, that's I think the really exciting thing about um, indigenous food sovereignty is anyone can get involved and it can look like so many different things and so many things contribute to, you know, kind of moving this philosophy forward into like a, a, a movement. It's so exciting, I think. And just produce and, you know, buying produce is one aspect of it. Um, to me, um, indigenous food sovereignty looks a lot like community. It's about your relationships with people around you and learning from them and utilizing them 
in like a reciprocal way. Like um, one example I always use is like, okay, for example, let's say you don't have the ability to grow your own fruits and vegetables, um, but your friend does. And a part of a established relationship is kind of like, oh, would you be able to have some of your friend's vegetables if you helped them water their garden when they went on vacation? Or if you, you know, helped them process their tomatoes after they like pick, grew them, like, I think it's just amazing how many different ways you can find ways to get involved um, with your community and then thus promoting kind of this idea of food sovereignty and interconnectedness. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Um, So tell us about uh, the wares and the wins of this farmer's market. Yeah, the farmer's market is my favorite part of all of this. Um, The farmer's market has been going going on for around – um, eight years, I believe. It has, and it's going to be opening June 1st um, this year. We run every Thursday until October 26th, um, 11 to 3, and we have tons of new vendors and new relationships, and uh, we primarily focus on food with also some vendors who sell Native American books, publishing companies, um, some Native American medicines, like traditional herbal medicines, as well as um Honey, eggs, like skin salves, all of these good things, and just tons of organic produce. So it's super exciting. And it's on only Thursdays. Yes, only Thursdays, 11 to 3 um, at 1414 Franklin Avenue. It's in the Powell Grounds parking lot. Big yellow building. Can't miss it. Does it have free parking? Um, street parking is always available. Uh, but we actually kind of take up the parking lot for the farmer's market. So it's a really compact, nice farmer's market. Um, but it's also available on light rail and through public transit. It's a good place to go. Yeah. It's like right next to – it's not too far from the light rail, and it's right off of a bus stop. So it's super accessible to all. We accept uh, SNAP and EBT benefits. Um, and, yeah, a ton of different opportunities to kind of get to know – what we're doing. We have like activities throughout the season. I know on our opening day, we'll have a band playing, which is like the Pretendians, which is a great band. It's local. And it's just going to be a really exciting day. I hope that people can make it out June 1st. June 1st. Um, And so if someone wants to um, go on, there's a website that might talk about the uh, events. and Yeah, we have our social media, which is Four Sisters Farmers Market. Um, We are on Instagram as well as Facebook. And then our website, NACTI.org, has a page devoted to Four Sisters Farmers Market as well as Four Sisters, our urban farm. Okay, and so the uh, the NACTI again. Uh, what are uh, what's that website? Uh, NACTI is the Native American Community Development Institute. NACTI.org is our website where you can find us, um, and that has just information about all of our different uh, branches of NACTI, which would be like All My Re- Relations Art Gallery, um, in Mo- Make Voting a Tradition, in that, uh, as well as Four Sisters. Cool. Um, and tell us about some of the vendors. Oh, I love the vendors. Um, we have a ton of new vendors. Uh, we recently started a relationship with a, um, er, uh, an initiative to get more BIPOC farmers involved, um, getting them land access and kind of teaching them how to uh, work in agricultural spaces. So um, that partnership is with Route 1, and we were able to get a lot more produce vendors for the farmer's market through that. Um, We also have Dream of Wild Health, which is a longtime uh, collaborator. Uh, We're both in the Indigenous Food Network, which is a really amazing kind of interconnectedness like within the Twin Cities, or within all of Minnesota, actually, uh, that kind of promotes like Indigenous food sovereignty and 
they're just an amazing, Dream of Wild Health is just an amazing farm that has tons of organic and indigenous um, fruits and vegetables. And they also do their, their CSA pickup from our farmer's market. So it's like kind of a two for one. It's really great. Um, another person that I'm super excited for is Edible Arts Minnesota, which is um, Simone Rindin. She will be serving wild wa- rice waffles throughout the summer. Um, she makes her own jellies and jams that she forages the berries for. And um, it's just a new aspect of her business that I'm so excited for. I, I had a wonderful c- conversation with one of these events with her. And, yeah, she actually has kids go out and forage um, mulberries and, and, and fruits um, directly. And, 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 and in doing that, that work of picking a berry, I mean, even though it's effort, it's also so enlivening somehow. I mean, it's just, it's it's sort of, I don't know if this is going to make sense because this is what popped my brain. It's like riding a bike. The idea of harvesting, hunting and gathering, getting food, preparing for food, and belonging to this earth. Yeah, I totally agree. My family is um, always just as something that we do is like we go to pick your own farms. And so I'm, I grew up like getting, like picking my own berries and as an adult, like, it was so much easier to do when I was a kid. And as an adult, I'm like, this is such intense work. And it makes me so conscious of every time I go and I buy berries. Like, that, I'm like, I don't know if this is this. Like, trying to make sure that I'm imagining that that's equitable pay for the amount of work that I know that it is. And so I think it's, like, really important to kind of ground yourself in, like, the amount of work that goes into the food that we receive. Because my manager, Gloria, always says, like, grocery stores are crazy when you actually think about it. The fact that, like, all of that food is just there available for you and you didn't have any process of it other than the purchasing is, like, something that is so radically different than how we've lived for, like, hundreds and hundreds of years. Right. And um, there's once you start growing vegetables yourself, you do I, – I, I at least have really um, changed because it, it is so much more valuable than the, the dollar amount. Um, and it's a lot of work, but it's also um, – is work that's very grounding and can be very joyful work, but it can also, in our, in our system, it can be kind of exploitative work too. So it's you know, there, there's a lot of issues with that. So um, uh, any other ven- vendors you want to mention? Um, vendors that I want to mention. Um, I love uh, Estella Young, who is a vendor that we have that makes a, a, a great um, – is it? I think it's like a tick and mosquito repellent out of cedar oil. I've heard amazing things about. Um, I, um, I'm trying to think of anyone else that'll be. Well, I like with that Dream of Wild Health, they have a CSA, and so um, people can go on Thursday and pick up the CSA from the Dream of Wild Health. Mm-hmm. And they'll, yeah, and then you can just kind of browse around. Someone who will be visiting the market every once in a while will be uh, Lakota Made, which is a Mankato based. Uh, um, skin and beauty kind of, uh, and as well as some medicinal um, aspects, but it's just like this like amazing company. I use their winter solve like all the time and swear by it, and I was so excited to have them as a vendor this year. Um, and yeah, I'm actually just excited to kind of have all of the vendors come by and um, 
do their thing and uh, just continue to engage with the community. We have such continuous support from our vendors, and it's such an amazing thing. So it starts June 1st. It's Thursdays from 11 to 3. We're going to take a break, and we're coming right back. We'll talk more about the Four Sisters Farmer's Market. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where we plant and nourish the seeds of change. I'm Laura Hedlund, and we are talking about the Four Sisters Farmer's Market, which is opening uh, Thursday, June 1st. It's from 11 to 3 o'clock, only on Thursday. So you got to go there on Thursdays, and it's at 1414 East Franklin Avenue. And in studio with me is the coordinator, um, uh, Destiny um, Jones. So welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. Thank you. And give us uh, uh, give us a little more information about your background and how you got into this work. Yeah, um, I have um, experienced uh, some food insecurity growing up. Um, I grew up in an area that had a bit of a food desert, and so it made me really conscious of uh, the food that I was taking in, um, even at like a really young age, just being like, oh, well, my options are things that are kind of relatively unhealthy. And... Um, I guess I didn't really take in take that into account until I became an adult and I was kind of working in food systems. I was working, you know, in restaurants and then I was working in grocery stores and um, different things like that where and doing some food justice work outside of that, which was, you know, uh, serving the unhoused with uh, the People's Kitchen in South Minneapolis. And uh, that was during the uprising. And I think it really struck me kind of at that time that I was like, food food insecurity and food access is such a problem that feels like it shouldn't be a problem. It's such a thing that it feels like it's a human right to to be able to eat, it feels like. And so um, kind of aligning with NACDI and Four Sisters, or the Native American Community Development Institute and Four Sisters, I was able to kind of have a better understanding of how I could enact change or how I can kind of create more spaces that allow for these conversations for more people to kind of get involved and understand that like food access and what we eat and all of these things are super important and they can be, you know, in some ways really political. And so um, I have always really enjoyed cooking and I've always really enjoyed uh, engaging with people. And so um, growing my own food is something that I only started doing during the pandemic. And it was super eye-opening to me, the amount of time and effort and love and labor and as well community that you can kind of build around uh, food just in general. And um, it was something that I wanted to continue doing. So. Wonderful, wonderful. And, okay, so the Four Sisters Farmer's Market is Thursdays from 11 to 3, and there's also a Four Sisters Urban Farm. You want to talk about that? Yeah, the Urban Farm is a newer initiative of the Four Sisters Food Sovereignty uh, kind of idea. And it is on the... Uh, I think it's uh, the 2800 block of 18th Avenue. It's right off the Greenway um, in South Minneapolis. And it's essentially a strip of land on the street side that is a, um, we've got like trees growing uh, as well as kind of uh, communal plots for people to grow their own fruits and vegetables. And then our farmer manages the other side, which is uh, food that we grow to mostly give away um, within community, we grow a lot of 
indigenous uh, seeds and medicines and things along those lines. And so it's a really great space. It's also just one of those things that continues to kind of create spaces that are promoting the urban biodiversity in the neighborhood um, and just kind of creating places for people to hang out. I think that's always like a really significant thing is like access to green spaces is really significant and something that we want to continue to promote as well. Yeah, and so that Four Seasons Urban Farm um, is a partnership uh, with Hennepin County, also with um, uh, the uh, Railroad Authority. Yeah, it used to be a holding station for, I believe, railroad materials. And as the Greenway started to become a thing, <laughs> it uh, we were gracious enough to receive, um, like to rent our lease indefinitely uh, this plot of land to create an urban farm and farmers, uh, not farmers market, um, like kind of community space for gardens and things like that. And so it's been really great. Um, and we, um, yeah. yeah. Are there any plants there that, um, that or anything you want to kind of shout out and mention? Yeah, I, my, uh, the farmer and my manager, uh, Gloria, does a great job of making sure that there's a ton of um, native plants and working with kind of heirloom seeds, which is great. Um, and there's just tons of great medicinal plants that have been kind of planted and sprouting up. We have a really good amount of red willow. I believe this year we're trying our hand at growing sweetgrass, and um, there's just it's so bountiful in the summer when everything's kind of blooming. It's so exciting to see it right now as everyone's just starting to plant things and things are just starting to sprout through, like garlics and onions, and it's just great. It's a beautiful, beautiful time of the year. Um, and um, so um, uh, and let's talk a little bit about the American Indian Culture Cor Corridor. What is that? Uh, the American Indian Cultural Corridor is... Um, along Franklin Avenue, which has historically been a um, very important pathway for indigenous people like well before the establishment of the city of Minneapolis. Like it is kind of, if I remember correctly, almost a straight path to the river. So it was typically used as that even before there were roads to pave it. And so uh, the American Indian Cultural Corridor was established to kind of recenter um, this uh, very important street um, and contextualizing it within the fact that we have a very big urban native population that lives just in East Phillips, which is only, which I think is actually, Franklin is the street that separates East Phillips from Ventura, which is two neighborhoods. Um, but we have this great population of indigenous people. We have this street that's like culturally significant. And so a lot of the American Indian Cultural Corridor is establishing kind of uh, that significance and promoting indigenous businesses and uh, organizations and people and kind of creating a space for them. Um, and on your website, you have um, the American Indian Community Blueprint. Um, and I, I, I read that and, and I absolutely love that. One of the ways that it started is Cities like San Francisco really tout um, Chinatown or New York's Little Italy, and um, and because those become famous and they they attract tourists, they attract dollars, they develop economic 
resilience, and they also really support and celebrate communities and histories and our ancestors. They're, they're really vibrant places of both remembering the past and sort of creating um, a, 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 a vital future at the same time doing these great activities. And so the American, um, this blueprint, um, really um, the American Indian community blueprint really strives to lift up this vision of, um, of this area. Yes, uh, I believe that you're completely right. It's the goal is to kind of create, you know, this um, prosperity within the neighborhood kind of based off of what has already been established in the neighborhood, which is, I think, really amazing. Um, I think that, I don't know, the community that you can reach by just sitting in, like, powwow grounds, which is the local coffee shop, um, like, the amount of people that come through and the amount of diversity is just so beautiful to me. There's like so much always going on in kind of the neighborhood. And um, I think there's like a real strive of um, creating a brighter future and creating like the future that, you know, indigenous people envision for themselves. And I think that that's really apparent on Franklin. Yeah. And I um, in that document, there's this beautiful quote, and I think it um, speaks to what we're what, it, what we're pointing at is, um, my vision for community is to see that our children will be able to grow up in a healthy way with no violence, no failures in our academics. I see the day when our elders will once again exume, assume the position of weeder, wisdom, leadership, and strength. I see the day when our community will one day return to the natural strengths of our culture, our language, our music, our sacred ceremonies, the ways that I've kept our people have kept alive for years. This is my dream, and I work to support it. So this idea of, um, of, of our natural strengths, which is tied to the land and to, the, to our plant relatives. Yeah, I believe that there's an interconnectedness to how everything works. Like within that quote and within food sovereignty, there's just this, I think, intrinsic idea that um, there's no disconnection from education and food access and, you know, cultural, like history, you know, ancestral knowledge, um, as well as you know, um, just even in the present day, things like, you know, good grades, academics. And so I think it's just so inspiring that so many um, organizations like Native American-led and like Native Native American-led organizations are striving to do these things and working almost always in tandem um, to kind of create this kind of symbiotic relationship, uh, if that's the right word. It's a perfect word. (laughs) Yeah, to kind of like uplift this generalized idea that everything is one. It's like it's no one person's task, but it's something that can, you know, kind of everyone can kind of strive to work towards one single goal in this like as the quote says, in this interconnectedness. Yeah, and um, the the other thing about this document, which is online and anyone can read it, the uh, American Indian Community Blueprint, um, it put it, it puts this in context. Uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota is home to one of the largest concentrations of urban Native Americans in the United States. It's so shocking. I um, think I really took that for granted growing up. I always assumed that there were, like tons of Native American uh, communities around the country. And then um, to know that Minneapolis is the largest, as well as like the birthplace of the American Indian movement in the 1970s, it's like, it's been a center for um, this kind of uh, unanimous goal to advance the lives of indigenous people for such a long time. It's so inspiring to be around. 
Yeah, and um, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we are talking about the th- the Four Sisters Farmers Market, which is open on Thursdays from eleven to three, starting on June first. So Four Sisters Farmers Market open uh, Thursdays from eleven to three, starting on June first, and the address there is fourteen fourteen East Franklin Avenue. Uh, in studio with me is Destiny Jones. She's with the Native American Community Development Institute, and we'll be right back after this break. Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, and in studio with me is Destiny Jones. She's with the Native American Community Development Institute, um, and she is the uh, market coordinator and the Indigenous Food Sovereignty Coordinator um, with the Four Sisters Farmers Market. So tell us again about the Four Sisters Farmers Market. Yeah, the Four Sisters Farmers Market is located at 1414 East Franklin on the American Indian Cultural Corridor. Uh, We are uh, going from June 1st to October 26th every Thursday from 11 to 3. And we plan on having a ton of great, cool activities uh, throughout the season. But especially, we'll be starting our opening day with a... um, live band, which will be the Pretendians, a local native band, as well as a giveaway and a raffle. So, Cool. And um, uh, give a shout out to some of the vendors that are going to be participating. Yeah, we've got uh, Dream of Wild Health, uh, who will be contributing their CSA, as well as having a produce stand. We have um, um, Blue Hummingbird Woman, who is a longtime vendor at the market, as well as um, Botanical Atelier and um, Edible Arts Minnesota. Yeah, that's great. So um, I'm, and I, I, I love these. And before, in that last segment, we were talking about the um, American Indian Community Blueprint. Um, so give us a little background on what is the Native American Community Development Institute? NACDI, the Native American Community Development Institute, is an organization that was kind of created to uh, kind of help empower uh, and work towards uh, the future that Indigenous people envisioned for themselves. So uh, part of what we do is NACDI is our kind of mother organization, and then we split into multiple projects, which is All My Relations Art Gallery, which is our amazing gallery run by Angela Two Stars. It's got a great show on called uh, Pitwaywatam currently. Um, we have Make Voting a Tradition, which is our... Yes, I'm going to stop you. So tell us a little bit more about the show that's going on right now. Oh, it's amazing. So um, it's called Pitwaywatam, and it's um, a v- exhibition by a, kind of a family. Uh, it was inspired by the relative who they lost. Um, it was a brother and a a, a child and and so the family all started creating art in his memory and it's so beautiful and moving and it's some of like the most beautiful like beadwork and you know skirts and um fancy fancy dance dresses and jingle dresses it's just like an amazing and amazing um like tribute to uh, a loved one that they lost as well as a just amazing like work and showmanship of craft and um i recommend everyone see it it's 
free and it's just a really lovely experience. And that's within the building that we'll be having the parking, uh, the Four Sisters Farmers Market in the parking lot. So you can do both at the same time. Oh, you can do both at the same time. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Cool. And again, uh, the farmers market's open on Thursdays, eleven to three. Yeah. And um, that's a great area. Um, so this um, American Indian Community Blueprint, I mean, one thing it says on it, it's a living document. So it's not like, okay, we're going to do a hotel here, and this is here, and this is here. But it's, a, it's this beautiful living document, and it's grounded on, on some um, interesting um, – uh, it's con- grounded on uh, the idea of community wholeness. So what does that mean, community wholeness? Um, I think that in – the idea of community wholeness, it's to kind of encapsulate uh, all of the different pieces that kind of make up um, a healthy and vibrant community. So it's not just, you know, things that are based towards, you know, academics or things that are based towards just food access, like what Four Sisters is doing. It's trying to kind of encapsulate all of the different moving parts of, uh, like, traditional and non-traditional life ways for Indigenous people um, and kind of establish a place for those things to be safe and, you know, kind of um, promoted. And uh, another thing that's grounded on is economic vitality. Um, And so we can have, can we have both wholeness and economic vitality? Aren't those separate things? (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that's something that... um, is kind of one of those things that like it struggles with where it's like money is not real, but we, my, the community needs money. So it's one of those things that might be um, some people see as like there has to be a separation. I know that a few like of my friends who are communists will probably be like those are two separate entities. But um, I think that in the idea that there is a community that's been disenfranchised for a long period of time, um, a part of uplifting these people is to create a space for them um, to gain economic freedom as well as economic like um, kind of footing. So uh, creating a space that allows uh, people to, you know, make the most of their dollar um, by kind of giving back to the community as well as um, finding a place to, uh, you know, create uh, a space for their own ideas and small businesses and things like that is like something that's really important, I think, to most of the people on the American Indian Cultural Corridor and also really important to us. Um, I love our vendors and I'm always looking for more vendors at the farmer's market. And it's really important to me that um, people have the chance to, you know, experience, um, you know, trying to make a a place for themselves and do what they're passionate about and um, embrace their culture and kind of advance their knowledge of, you know, whatever that, you know, their their culture or their understanding of business or whatever. Um, I think it's, like, really an important space to be carved out. It is, and it's so vital um, for us to be reclaiming our foodways. It, it, it's very vital work. I mean, you talked about earlier um, that you personally have experienced food insecurity, and then so many of us, including myself, I mean— What's out there is the cheap food is the least healthy and it's the cheapest, right? And it's and so how do we create something better? Um, and I have a flyer in front of me uh, from the farmers markets of Minneapolis, and um, Four Sisters is um, on this flyer, so it's one of your local farmers markets. But the economic impact of farmers markets is super cool. I mean, um, uh, the, this is done with the city of Minneapolis and other partners, but they've uh, they're they're calculating that um, over eight million dollars in vendor sales. 
um, that there is over 26,000 agriculture acres that are owned and managed by a farmer, a, a, a farmer markets of Minneapolis vendors. That is huge. Um, they can measure the SNAP benefits at over $350,000. And, and then the people who support that, the, who go to the farmer's markets, 42% of them are walking or biking. So, I mean, sustainability, health, and equity. It's an amazing trifecta, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, and it's, a, it's super amazing. I don't think before I worked within kind of food systems, I thought very much about how um, farmers markets are super important to connecting the farmer with just the consumer and like um, establishing a relationship that doesn't have a middleman because um, something I think about a lot is the difference between wholesale pricing for farmers who, you know, if they're selling it to a store, they take a considerable cut uh, in comparison to the people who are able to kind of directly um, interact with their customer base. And um, that's, you know, like maybe a larger scale production as well. But um, just the farmer's market being a place for like smaller growers or like less commercial growers to kind of forge a space for themselves and make an equitable amount of money is like so nice. It's just another aspect of the farmer's market that's so enjoyable that's not just like being the the customer who gets to buy the really nice flowers and the really fresh berries. Right. It's, it's about reciprocity, which is actually, it's our natural being to be in reciprocity and relationship with each other. And and so it helps recreate that. Um, so the, the other um, the other grounding is community prosperity. So you, you, we all do better when we all do better and lifting each other up. Yeah, that's something I think about a lot because uh, East Phillips and the Ventura neighborhood, which we're kind of sandwiched in between, are both really diverse neighborhoods. And um, though we are a project of the Native American Community Development Institute, it's always something in my, the back of my head where I'm like, well, we're doing this with Native Americans in mind, but we're also doing this with everyone in mind. We would like to just create a space that makes everyone feel safe to explore these things and kind of create a space that like feel makes everyone feel like community um, while, you know, also uplifting our indigenous uh, relatives. So it's just a kind of really amazing thing to be like, all, all things kind of, interact with each other to kind of create a better thing for everyone. Yeah, and, um, and, and, and not just all the people, but the, the more than human world as well. Yes, um, like our connection to the natural world is something that's so important to indigenous food sovereignty and kind of reestablishing um, these things that uh, have been inherent for a, a lot of people for a very long time um, and have been kind of... Um, taken away, like the knowledge been, has been taken away, or it's just kind of harder to access, especially with a lack of, you know, green spaces or feeling comfortable in those spaces. And um, it's just something that we strive to kind of create a, a better relationship with people in the natural world. And health and well-being. And there's been some um, some good research that um, uh, green spaces improve mental health. And we know we're in multiple crises right now. Uh, depression is really high, suicide's high, addiction's high. Um, those, 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 there, there's a lot of indicators of unhealthy living and restoring and having places like the Four Sisters Urban Farm and having these places where we interact with nature is a way of 
calming our ourselves and uh, and, and and enlivening at the same time. Yeah, I think about that a lot. I know that um, because I work in the, I guess, this type of um, area, I'm sometimes, I sometimes feel like I'm biased, but yesterday I just had such a busy day and I had to like make it to my garden. Like something had to be planted. I just like couldn't put it off any longer. And like the second that I like got on my bike and got to my, my garden plot and was like digging my hands in the dirt, I was like, I can't believe that I put this off. Like, it was like a task or a chore, like, to go play in the dirt for a little while. It felt so silly. Um, and then I just realized that that it was also one of those things that it was, uh, it's like the endorphins that I was getting from doing all of these things that, like, allowed me to be outside. Like, seeing the sunset and, you know, being able to take the time for myself and taking the time to, like, check something that felt like something off my list that I actually love doing. And so it's, um, I think that that's always something that, makes me um, feel really happy about like talking to my friends who aren't involved as much in this work as how much they um, like also really appreciate the natural world when they're connecting with it as well, you know? And um, I think it's something that everyone can find um, their niche in. Yeah. And young people, especially in these times when we're doing so much on screen and um, but connecting young people. Yes, that's a big part of, um, I think, what we try to keep in mind is, like, how can we, like, set people that are really young onto, like, pathways that kind of reconnect them with this, especially when it's something that's not very inherent to, like, their parents, for example, who maybe might be disconnected as well. Um, like, how do we make it something that's accessible for all, but especially accessible for people who don't have an income, like children or, you know, um, even, like, elders and so and connecting elders with children and sharing those on those uh, on the, the 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 joyous part and that's something I've seen in the garden so much and I can remember one guest saying oh I don't like farming I love farming you know some five year old and that's it's just I mean again I was like it's riding a bike we we humans whatever we are we've been foraging off the earth for a long long time and it's just it's a deep deep remembrance and it's a very joyful act. Yes, I think that um, it kind of rounds back to what I was also saying about, like, community. Like, all of this ends up being community work as well. It's so important to, like, create these spaces where you can intermingle with someone at, like, such a different age than you and that um, you share knowledge and you share ways that you think about things or you even um, consider, you know, options. I, for example, took my uh, nephews and nieces strawberry picking, and it was so interesting to, like, hear their mentality about it and hear, like, just certain things that I had to, I didn't realize, like, I had to teach them. Like, they were like, oh, can we pick these green strawberries? And I was like, oh, like, you should probably pick the red ones, but what made you think about the green ones? And they are like, oh, it's just so pretty that they're, like, they look like the leaves. And I was like, oh, they just, like, kind of think it's a different breed of strawberry. They don't see that it's, like, something that's growing. And um, I thought that that was just, like, a really interesting thing to even interact with them. And I, yeah, I just absolutely love uh, how much nature can bring us back together, um, but also just bring us closer to its, like, itself. Bring Right, right. And there, um, kids who grow vegetables are far more likely to eat them. You know, and um, but you mentioned the word community, and I was looking again at this long-range community vision, and it talks about community wholeness, community economic vitality, community prosperity. There's that word community. What does that word mean? I um, I think community, it's so interesting because it's one of those things where 
community can look a lot of ways as well. I think that to me, community is everyone. It's your neighbors. It's like the, you know, kind of groups that you um, identify with. It's the people that you don't necessarily identify with that also have some type of connection to you. Um, I think community can be anyone and everyone. Um, but I also think that um, in the context of community, uh, the indigenous community, um, especially in Minneapolis, where we have, uh, it's the ancestral homelands of the Dakota, but we also have a really vibrant Ojibwe population. And, um, you know, there's no there's no urban reservation. So you kind of have like all of these different tribes, the Ho-Chunk, the Dakota, the Lakota, the Ojibwe, like all kind of creating a community for themselves and a space for themselves, which I also think is super amazing. And then you have like community just as in like their neighbors, like our neighbors in East Phillips and our neighbors in Powderhorn, our neighbors in Ventura um, that aren't necessarily indigenous, but also are people that we love and care for and talk to every day and see every day. And um, that can even include our unhoused, you know, residents and relatives. Like, to me, that's my community. Um, I want to look out for them as much as I look out for the people who have, you know, a pretty consistent place to stay. And so um, I think it's just really important uh, work to kind of remove ourselves from the isolation that I think modern day really forces upon us. Like, you know, you it can be really easy to just go from work to home and then to, you know, for home to be maybe you living alone and for work to just be you interacting with three or four of the same people. Um, it just feels really isolating to me. And so I think like a big part of community is like reestablishing the fact that we are all connected and we're all supposed to help each other. And we're all supposed to have like these things that aren't necessarily as static as um, are consistent as something like a job or, you know, the same exact residence. It's uh, it's kind of it can be everything. I just love what you said. And, and the community includes the unhoused and the mentally ill and yeah. those who have experienced the prison system. And, you know. Yeah, they're such a big part of the community. Um, in some of my organizing work, I would, um, I was part of this collaborative, the People's Kitchen, that would, uh, or I still am, but uh, we essentially cook warm meals and then we would distribute it to housing encampments around the city. And it was just, it felt so, like, not to pat myself on the back, gratifying to be like, oh, I'm meeting like a whole group, new group of neighbors. And it feels nice to, you know, kind of remember things about people or to remember faces and to kind of establish that there can you like as one individual person, I can like establish care for, you know, a community that like maybe at multiple points in my life felt really out of reach for me. And um Oh, Destiny Jones, I just love that. But as an individual, I can establish care. I mean, that is a very powerful statement. I've, I've really enjoyed talking to you. Um, and again, uh, you are the um, Indigenous Food Sovereignty Coordinator and Market Coordinator of the Four Sisters Farm Market, which is open on Thursdays from 11 to 3, starting June 1st. And that's done with Native American Community Development um, Institute. Uh, last minute, anything else you'd like to say? I think I've said everything. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, it's been really fun to have you, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing all the vendors. And, again, if somebody wants to learn about Dream of Native Roots, you can uh, sign up for their CSA, and you're a pickup spot for that. And this uh, Native American um, Indian, American Indian Cultural Corridor, I mean, let's make this as big as New York's Little Italy and San Francisco's Chinatown yeah. and be a, a, a great spot for tourism from around the world. Yeah, I would love to see one of my vendors. 
vendors become a storefront. That would be Ooh. so exciting. <laughs> Wouldn't it be cool? Yes. So looking forward again. Um, so thank you so much, and thank you for listening to uh, Food Freedom Radio. And you know.